Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. I want to read two passages of scripture up front today that's going to be our foundational scriptures for what God has put in my heart and kicking off this brand new series for the month of August, the month of August, which is a special month uh, in my own heart. And um, I enjoy August, and I pray that we as a community will enjoy it in regards to what God's going to do in this month ahead. The first is Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 28. Uh, Again, all of this can be accessed, the sermon card through uh, Instagram, the digital version of the sermon card is available also through the Bible app. And I want to personally welcome those that are streaming live this morning. God bless you. In Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 28, he hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle. Then Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 32. Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 32. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite of him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. I want to teach a message today titled, Accessibility Distraction. Accessibility Distraction. And like always, before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank you that the name of Jesus is above every name. And I thank you the powers of darkness and demons have been struck down and disarmed and defeated by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus has triumphed over them through the cross and may the power of his resurrection be administered by the Holy Spirit to hearts and minds and to this congregation today. May your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. May your will be done. May we encounter you. May you be glorified. I yield to your Holy Spirit. Have your way in revealing Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen. Screens have been around. In fact, on December 28, 1895, the world's first commercial movie screening takes place at the Grand Cafe in Paris. The film was made by Louis and Auguste Lumiere, two French brothers who developed a camera projector. In fact, in the Late 1920s, in mechanical form, television sets became a popular consumer product. 
after World War II. So the question up front for us today in this new series is what is different now then? If screens have been around before probably all of us have even been born, what is different now? The difference is, is now they fit in the hand. The difference is, is now they fit in your back pocket. The difference is, is that you can carry it wherever you go. And if you carry it wherever you go, this equals continual access and accessibility. See, before today... In 1983, if you wanted to carry around your screen everywhere you went, at some point, I believe you would have a friend or a relative close enough to say, what in the world are you doing? Hey, fool, put that down. In fact, it wouldn't even take a friend. Before long, your own muscles and body would start talking to your brain and you'd start hearing a thought in your brain say, Hey fool, what are you doing? As your muscles begin to burn, as you carry it around everywhere you go. This clearly illustrates the difference between what you and I are faced with today and what we would have before looked like if we were carrying around our screens. So there is a difference. And when you think about screens, you think about the issue of distraction. My left wrist is already burning. And you think about accessibility distraction. Whether you realize it or not, the default, default mode of humanity is distraction. Your default mode is distraction. My default mode is distraction. In fact, the biblical worldview starts early on with the issue of distraction. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the book of the beginning says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What's often overlooked in this text, in a deeply rich text, a deep, rich text in understanding the world we live in, is that she replied speaking the Word of God. What I think is often overlooked in this text is that she was distracted from the actual nature of and personhood of God. She wasn't so much initially distracted from the word of God because she replies to the serpent and said, yeah, God said we can eat of it all of the trees except the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what was going on in the heart and mind of Eve and then Adam was they were distracted from the very personhood of God. There was this sense in the text of what was going on that God just might be a withholding God. A God who wants to withhold His best from you. His goodness from you. 
His presence from you. That the reason why He says you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because God's nature isn't benevolent. He's not thinking about what's best for you. He's actually trying to rob you, hold you back. There is this aspect in the text that is often overlooked. Let me put before you this, that our vulnerability to so many distractions is really based on us not knowing God thoroughly. Now I'm not talking about knowing His Word. I believe most of you that are here today have readily access personally to the Scriptures and the Word of God. You're here today, so you're looking also as well as a way to access the spoken Word of God in Scriptures. There are multitudes of believers or people in America that have access to the Scriptures. But today up front, I'm not talking about being distracted from Scriptures and knowing Scriptures. I'm talking about us not knowing Him thoroughly. It's one thing to know Scriptures. It's another thing to know Him that Scripture is about. Jesus dealt with this issue. He dealt with this issue in the Jewish nation, to the nation and the people that the oracles of God had been committed to. And He said, you are distracted that all of the Scriptures point to me. To me. They were distracted from the personhood and the very nature and the very person of God. And here's the crux of it up front today. Without knowing God, without knowing Him, one cannot adequately know his self or herself. Without truly knowing God and and knowing His nature and knowing His personhood and knowing who He is and His nature that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His unchanging nature. Without knowing Him, you and I can't truly know ourselves. Why? Because He is your Creator. Listen, the circumstances surrounding your birth didn't create you. Your earthly father and mother didn't necessarily create you. They were the means, but God is your creator. And because He's your creator, without truly knowing Him, you can't truly know your purpose and why you were created. Why He fashioned and formed you in your mother's womb. And by not knowing ourself, we can't know our purpose. And by not knowing our purpose... We can't truly know our priorities. And by not knowing our priorities, we cannot make consistently in the moment the right decisions. Let me say it again. Without knowing Him, you can't truly know yourself. And without truly knowing yourself, you can't know your purpose. And without knowing your purpose, then you can't know priorities. And without knowing priorities, you cannot make in the moment of time and choice consistently the right decisions. And remember, your default mode is to live and to be distracted. From distracted driving, seen that in Atlanta, hello, to distracted employees as I wait for our food, 
seen that. Hello. At least they're working, right? Right now. No, don't settle. Don't lower the standard. We do that. At least they're working. No, let's not lower the standard. So we have distracted driving. We have distracted employees to distracted parents. I know about that. I'm a parent myself. In fact, did you know 68% of parents say they at least sometimes feel distracted by their phone when spending time with their kids? I know our kids, the kids of this congregation, feel that at times because I've heard them mention things. I've heard my own kids mention things regarding the phone. That which is so different than what it used to be. If I constantly was walking around the house with this, it wouldn't be as easy to be constantly distracted. But when we have a device that can be carried in the pocket or in the hand, the accessibility of default mode and staying distracted increases drastically. There's then, of course, distracted spouses. Have you heard of fubbing? If you've been around, we've mentioned it before. But fubbing, P-H, the practice of snubbing others in favor of our mobile phones. A set of studies actually showed that just having a phone out and present during a conversation, say on the table between you and another, interferes with your sense of connection to the other person. The feelings of closeness experienced and the quality of the conversation. This phenomenon is especially the case during meaningful, meaningful conversations. You lose the opportunity for true and authentic connection to another person. Because the core tenet of any friendship or relationship is connection. And no, no, listen, just the phone being out and between you and another is an actual physical barrier to an actual relational closeness. Just the phone being out, the physical presence of a phone becomes not just a physical barrier between you and another, but it actually becomes a barrier in your relational closeness. And why is it different today? Because again, if you and your friend or you and your spouse both had to hold up this TV set as you talk to one another, it would be awkward eventually. You would realize, you know what, I think we're looking a little foolish. We're making an unwise decision. This is ridiculous. But now because of the size of the phone, the size of the screen, it seemingly is more acceptable now. And yet, the effects upon our closeness to one another is still affected. The physical presence of a phone between you and another still affects the closeness when it comes to the actual relationship. Emma Sapala, in her research and her articles, asked the question, what do fubbed people tend to do? Well, according to a study published, they themselves start to turn to social media. 
Presumably, they do so to seek inclusion. They may turn to their cell phone to distract themselves from the very painful feelings of being socially neglected. We know from brain imaging research that being excluded registers as actual physical pain in the brain. So fubbed people in turn become more likely to attach themselves to their phones in unhealthy ways, thereby increasing their own feelings of stress and depression. So the question, what do fubbed people tend to do? Fubbed people fub people. You heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Well, now we know the signs of fubbed people, fub people. Or they go into a Netflix binge. In fact, a Facebook study shows that how we interact on Facebook affects whether it makes us feel good or bad. When we use social media just to, watch this, passively view others' posts, our happiness decreases, sense of well-being. Another study showed that social media actually makes us more lonely. Notice the phrase there, passively view. See, listen, when you get distracted from the nature of God and not truly knowing Him, you get distracted from whom you truly are and the purpose of why you're created. And when you get distracted from your purpose and why God created you, then understand you're not asking the question when you engage Facebook or social media or screens, what is the purpose? And you're just passively, I'm just passively, we're just passively viewing others' posts with never asking the question, what is the purpose? purpose what's my purpose is it a priority does it get me closer to God's purpose to my life she goes on to ask the question Emma Sapala she says why do people get into the fubbing habit in the first place not surprisingly the research shows fear of missing out FOMO and lack of self control predict fubbing. So an individual that struggles with self-control, which from a biblical worldview is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, a person who struggles with fear of missing out, let's just label that as insecurity, they are more vulnerable to getting into the habit of fubbing. However, watch this, the most important predictor is addiction to social media, to the cell phone, and to the internet. Internet addiction has similar brain correlation to physiological forms like addiction to heroin and other recreational drugs. And the impact of this addiction is very worrisome when it comes to children whose brains are still malleable, still being formed, and whose social skills are underdeveloped. And when it comes to the long-term effects for the younger generation, we don't know all that is involved because they're still a young generation and we've not been able to study long-term effects. But notice the three things she mentions there. Fear, 
lack of self-control, and addiction. Three key things that are all addressed in the biblical worldview. How many times does Scripture say, many maybe you've heard before, there's a fear not for every day of the year where God deals and addresses in a biblical worldview the damage of fear, how fear gets us in a wrong posture. The Bible addresses insecurity, living for the praise of men, living to conform to the standards of people around you, then living before the one who created you, and one day we'll all stand before the King Jesus who reveals our God and Creator fully. Lack of self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Addiction. We have been called to liberty, Paul told the Galatians. Therefore, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Nicholas Carderas from Stony Brook Medicine. He was a clinical professor and author of Glow Kids. Go so far as to liken screen time to digital cocaine. Consider this in some studies they see that not on children obviously but in adults the urge to check social media is stronger than the urge for sex. Do you know anything as a growing adult that says a lot. And if you know anything about the tensions and issues you face if you're married this is very problematic. Men are like a spring, Scripture says. The desire stays at the surface. Women are like a whale. That means it's real deep. <laughs> the desire. And so, for men, that's not good news. That if a screen that can be more stronger than the awareness of the desire of sex, and that desire is already well deep, that ain't great news for dry marriages today. I can't encourage you there. But what I can tell you is the gospel deals with these realities. And Jesus cares. And Jesus has solutions. And the Holy Spirit is able to work in lives and situations today. So again, what are we seeing? We're seeing the phone, which is an actual, a screen, is an actual physical thing. And as a physical thing, it presents and creates more than just a physical barrier. It actually begins to create relational barriers and affecting relational closeness, whether it's a friend, whether it's with a sibling, whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with a coworker, whether it's with a parent. And when we fall into our default mode of distraction, then we become even more vulnerable to look for connections on social media, watch this, at the cost to face-to-face -face opportunities for true friendship and true relational closeness and intimacy. Some dive into work through screens all the time. Here's a question for those that's addicted to screens through the accessing of work. How old are you going to be still checking email at 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. at night? You're going to be 75 still checking email at 10 p.m.? At some point, if you and I want a different experience, we have to, in God's light, evaluate our current practices. And as followers of Jesus, listen, we're not people scared of real truth. 
We're people of the truth. And so if the research is adequate and they're seeing the trends of the things I've mentioned, then we need to accept the truth and then come to the God of all grace and say, God, what is your grace? What is your plan? What is your empowerment? What is the work of your Holy Spirit to deal with the truth that you and I are facing when it comes to accessibility distraction? That now we take it everywhere we go. We can access it anytime we want it because we no longer are dealing with screens this big, but we're dealing with screens this big. I kept mine down there so I wouldn't be distracted while I ministered to you today. See, remember, default mode is living distracted. And why else is this important? of not living constantly in default mode, living in a mode of life of being distracted because studies begin to clearly show that you and I are the happiest. We, we feel the, the best sense of well-being. Watch this. When we are present in the moment, no matter what we are doing. Like old classic Brother Lawrence and the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. That he learned it wasn't getting out of washing the dishes that allowed him to experience a sense of well-being and, and happiness in the moment. It was learning to be present because watch this. You can only experience the presence of God when you're present in the present. God is ever-present. Therefore, he's experienced by you and I only when we are present of His presence and we're present-minded in the present. And so this has great impact upon you and I in our daily living. Because you know what? I like you better when you're happy. And you know what? Your spouse likes you better when you're happy. And you know what? Your friends like you better when you're happy. And you know what? I like myself better. When I'm not griping and complaining and happy. And listen, we cannot have that sense of well-being without present-mindedness. And we can't encounter the reality of God's holy presence when we're escaping the reality of what is happening in the present. Just like Pastor Craig quoted. It's not so much about what's going on in our life. It's can we become present to the reality that His presence is with us. His presence gives me a sense of well-being. Because there's no greater place to be than in the will of God. In the awareness that God is with us. That Christ is in us. So the presence of God can only be practiced in the present. But our default mode is distracted. And screens in the present day have enabled default mode to be our consistent mode. When you look around at society and you look around at the patterns, you see where screens have allowed our natural default mode to become our consistent mode. That we're living life not present-minded, but constantly distracted. 
We're thinking about what we're going to do later. We're thinking about or we're overwhelmed about what we got to do tomorrow. We're hung up in a hurt or a habit from the past. And the accessibility of now screens is multiplying and enabling negative dysfunctions unless you and I are willing to look at the truth and then in the present presence of Almighty God say, Lord, what grace and plan do you have that we're not fashioned and conformed to everybody else in this world, but we live your will for our life. We live present-minded to the reality of your ever-presence. Ain't that what the psalmist said? The Lord is my helper. He's ever-present. My help cometh from above. So default mode is purposely wandering and scrolling through social media. Ultimately living and engaging social media aimlessly. We've not asked ourselves, why do I engage in social media in the first place? What is the purpose of my engagement with social media? Listen to me. If you don't answer that question, then this world or Satan will answer it for you. If you don't answer and ask yourself the question, what is my purpose behind engaging in screens in my life, then you will fall into default mode. And default mode will lead to you being conformed, me being conformed, us being conformed, and us living and experiencing the same things people in the world are experiencing, though we are followers of Jesus and we have access to an ever-present King and His presence and His kingdom of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but it's not just enough for me to know Jesus and one day be with Him. I want to experience the benefits and the blessingness of His presence and His kingdom now. Are you with me? There's already enough difficulties in life. There's already enough circumstances in life. And therefore, we got to be intentional. We got to face the truth in the light of His presence. Screens present day have made accessing people and places and events outside of our immediate surroundings immediately available. Think about it. We're so now vulnerable to default mode because default mode is distracted mode and not being present minded. But now screens give us continual access anywhere we're at, anytime, to access people, places, and events that without those screens we would never have access to in that moment. Thus robbing us from God's ever-present help in our time, in our moment. Listen. You can't receive what you're not aware of. And when you and I live in default mode, we don't live with an awareness that His presence is with us, His help is available, His strengthening grace is available, and therefore we can't receive it when we're not aware and acknowledging it. So let me talk about access and accessibility for a moment. Dictionary.com defines access as the ability, right, or permission to approach, enter, speak with, or use. 
the state or quality of being approachable, a way or means of approach. Social media has opened the floodgates to that reality, constant access. Through social media, you and I are giving, and then we're also given in return, the ability or the state to be able to enter or approach people, places, and events that normally we would not be able to easily access or easily be distracted with. Accessibility is, by definition, the quality of being easy to approach, reach, enter, speak with, use, or understand. The quality of being usable, reachable, obtainable. Now, through the possibility, accessibility to distraction, you can access someone you've never met, who's at a place you've never been, what they put on their toast in the morning for breakfast. And you're like, oh my God, avocado toast. They put avocado on the toast. And we just get jazzed up through accessibility distraction because we can access details of a person and a place or a thing that we would never have access before without the screens we are now faced with. Can you believe they ordered that for, from Starbucks? Are you kidding me? Do they not know that it's the fall and like if you don't order pumpkin spice from Starbucks... That you're out of it. See, accessibility, distraction. Screens make it easy to approach and obtain knowledge of things that without them we would be unable to ever access or approach. Let's talk about news for a moment. We spoke some during the election cycle regarding this, but let me give one quote from Greg Easterbrook. He says, Western life is methodically made to sound perilous, precarious by media spin, which emphasizes the negative aspects of developments while downplaying the positive. Research is clear. They sell more. They grab the attentions of people more by negative phrases, negative spin than positive realities. It's very clear. We have decades of research on this matter. Greg goes on and says, Studies by George Gerbner, former dean of the Annenberg School of Communication at the University of Pennsylvania, has shown that the more television a person watches, the more likely he or she is to overestimate the prevalence of crime or to believe that crime is rising even if it is actually in decline. Think about that. And you change crime and put in whatever you want in the blank. They media will only highlight a small portion of the reality of all that's happening in the world. And they're not going to highlight because they have seen their sales do not correlate well. The positives, the good, the progress, they're not going to highlight it. 
And the vulnerability you and I have is if we're living in default mode, if we're losing awareness to the nature of God, if we're losing awareness of who we are in God's light, if we're losing awareness of the purpose of God for us, if we're losing aware of our priorities in life, then in the moment of how we're going to access screens or how much accessibility we're going to access things through screens, we're not going to be able to make the right choices. And therefore, your and our worldview as followers of Jesus are going to start getting muddied with the world's view of negativity, of not the whole pie, but just a small little sliver and piece of what's actually the reality in taking place and the bigger picture of things. Here's a couple points to summarize. Screens can allow us to access in a counterfeit way what our personal inadequacies hinder us from accessing in a genuine, tangible, God-intended human way. Listen, screens is not genuine human interaction because the reality of just the physical presence of a screen between you and another creates also Space, relationally and emotionally. So screens allow us to access things, but in a superficial or less than God intended human way. Screens can allow us to forfeit having to be present when having to be present would require good growth that comes after good pain or good growth that requires good pain. Any biblical wise counselor will distinguish good pain as pain that brings God's determined growth for you. Bad pain is pain you didn't need to experience in order to grow. Right? You've heard me tell before, if you run out in the middle of traffic and get hit by a car, you're going to experience pain. But that's called bad pain because you didn't need to get ran over by a car to learn that you shouldn't run in the middle of the street. That's unnecessary pain. But for God's growth in areas of our life, there is something that requires good pain because change requires pain. Anytime we have to seek to do new habits, it creates a type of stress, but it's a positive stress in our life. Screens can allow us to access people, places, and things for selfish reasons instead of edifying reasons. So now I can access people not because I care about them but for selfish reasons. To compare myself or to judge them or to fall into many traps. What do we see in Scripture regarding this theme of access and accessibility? On Exodus 24 and verse 2 it says, And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near. Nor shall the people go up with him. This in the Old Testament, God is about to come down upon Mount Sinai and to begin to give the law and the culture for this people called the people of Israel that He has just delivered and brought out through a mighty outstretched hand from the the nation of Egypt. He's brought out a group of slaves and He wants to now begin to give them laws and statutes and judgments to form the culture and the way that they would live 
before him and then be a light to the nations around. But God says, listen, only Moses alone shall come near the Lord. What does this speak to? Limited access. Everybody say limited access. Then in Exodus 40 and verse 28, which is one of our main texts, says, He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle. When God gives Moses the pattern of the Old Covenant tabernacle and the later would be the Old Covenant temple, God's pattern was is that there was a screen that was hung up at the door. There was multiple screens. If you go look at a picture of what the tent of Moses or the tabernacle of Moses looked like, there were multitudes of screens that was restricting access between the people and God. God and the people. All the way to the veil in the Holy of Holies that the high priest only on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, can go beyond that screen into the very revealed manifest presence of God. What does that speak to? Limited accessibility. In the Old Covenant, all of God's people didn't have continual access to God and to His presence. It was limited access. But listen, listen. It was not that God did not want us to be able to have access to Him. It was due to our sin and our default. We could not do so without us being harmed. Listen, God's nature is unchanging. And God is holy. And because He's holy, He hates sin. Because watch this, sin destroys everything good that God intended for His creation and for you and I. So His nature attacks sin because sin still steals, kills, and destroys and robs from humanity what God desires and intended for you and I. His goodness, His benevolence. And the issue was, is every human sinned and so every human carried sin with them and they carried sin upon them, thus creating the primary issue needing to be addressed within a biblical worldview and a plan of God. It's not that God didn't want access to us or He didn't want us to have access to Him. It was that if God got access to us or we got access to Him in a state of sin being in us and on us, His holy nature, that which He cannot turn off, that which He cannot change, has to attack sin because sin destroys that which is beautiful and good and lovely and righteous. And so, this is where the good news, the gospel of access and accessibility comes from. Come on, man. In John 14 and verse 6, a man shows up and begins his public ministry. The nation of Israel, and his name was Jesus, Yeshua. And Jesus began to say to people, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where there used to not be access and accessibility for humans towards God and where God could access us the way He desired and intended from the beginning, God had a plan and He sent His Son Jesus. And here Jesus shows up on the earth. He begins to declare, I'm the way. 
I'm the truth. I'm the life. I am the way back to the Father. I am the way of access and accessibility back to your Creator. I am the way for you to know why you were created in the first place. I am the way for you to know the purpose of why God has created you. I am the way and the truth and the life for you to know the priorities that should define your life. For those of us that have responded correctly to that way, Jesus, Paul then writes in the New Testament Scriptures in Ephesians 2.18, he says to believers, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And then Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. The good news, that's what gospel means, is that now there's access and accessibility. God made a way through Jesus where He can access your heart, He can access your brokenness, He can access your despair, and you can access His holiness, His goodness, His joy, His power, His grace, His victory, His resources for daily living. Hallelujah. And in Mark 15 and 32, our other main text said, Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with Him reviled Him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, He's calling for Elijah. People couldn't even understand Jesus when He's hanging on the cross. They were so in distraction mode. He said, Eli, Eli. And they thought he was actually calling for Elijah. They heard Eli. They said, oh, he's talking about Elijah. You ever had people, even on your worst day, misunderstand you? Oh, Jesus understands. Oh, he understands every trial, temptation, every hardship you and I have ever faced. He is the fact And the reality that God through Him has access and accessibility to know every intricate detail of your life. And He's still passionately pursuing you, longing to know you in a more intimate, genuine, tangible, real, powerful way than you've ever encountered or imagined. Even to us who've encountered Him, there is more. Access and accessibility to God. Then verse 35 says, Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Watch this, verse 38. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this, and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Oh, do you see it? Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament types and scriptures. God hung up the screen door to the heavenly tabernacle. And His name is Jesus. And He did it on a cross called Calvary. And that veil that represented 
we didn't have access, if we didn't have accessibility to our Creator and to God, God Himself tore it from top to bottom. That veil was around 40 feet tall. They didn't have a ladder to get up there. It was so thick. We're talking about, you know, even the strong muscle team men that ripped telephone books couldn't tear that veil. The fact that it was tore from top to bottom says God had been longing. He had been waiting to get access and accessibility to you and I and to His humanity. And He did it by hanging between heaven and earth the screen door called Jesus Christ. And the cross is God's declaration once and for all, but it still is sounding out to every heart, to every nation, to every tongue, to every tribe. I want access to my creation. I want them to have access to me. But there's only one screen door. His name is Jesus. And the only veil between God and us, listen, the screen got so thin. It was just the flesh of Jesus. The only veil between God and you and I and humans was the skin deep of Jesus. But God let that veil, that skin be pierced. He allowed His his back to be plowed open so that God who was in the inside of the man named and called Jesus could invade this broken sin-ridden, sin-affected world could invade our sin-filled, broken hearts and lives with His kingdom, with His goodness, with His ability to reconcile and restore and to make all things new and start it on the inside. And I just wonder if you and I have allowed religion, have allowed culture, have allowed somebody, somewhere to distract us from the reality of God's nature. A nature that has pursued you more than you could ever in your mental understanding understand since the moment He began forming you in your mother's womb. Is it possible that some of us here today, that His nature is actually different than what we believed, what we thought, what we perceived, or what was wrongly told? And is it possible that you and I today are so easily distracted because we're not seeing the beautiful magnificent, glorious, true nature of God our Creator and revealed through the screen door hung between heaven and earth Jesus Christ, the Son of God. See, I think we are distracted by screens because we're distracted that the screen has been torn from top to bottom. I think... You and I are so vulnerable to being distracted by screens because we're distracted from the fact that God's nature tore the veil that was separating our access and accessibility to Him and Him to us from top to bottom. That He wants you to encounter Him. He wants you to live with the present-mindedness of His ever-present presence.
Maybe we're distracted by screens because we're distracted that our sins can be forgiven and cleansed by Jesus. And you're listening to the lies, friend. That you're worse than me. You're worse than another. Oh, you're a sinner just like me. I'm a sinner just like you. But God's got mercy for us. Hallelujah! He's got forgiveness available. And He's got grace to change us available. But oftentimes we're distracted because we're distracted. That our sins, our shame, our guilt can be cleansed and removed. That the barriers, though not tangible, that seek to keep us from approaching God in one moment of confession and acknowledgement, His blood can cleanse it all away. We're distracted by screens because we're distracted that the dividers between us and another have been removed by His blood. Paul said that blood has united people of different nations, Gentiles and Jews. That blood has already provided the removal of conflict between people. That's why you got to live by faith because you can't experience that conflict leaving your heart until you trust in the power of the cross to transform and enable you to release allowing wrong attitudes to stay in your heart towards another. We can't control what others do, but the blood can tear down our heart towards them. We're distracted by screens because we're distracted from recognizing the good, benevolent, and perfect nature of God. We've lost the awe of His awesomeness. <laughs> we're distracted by screens because we're distracted from His purpose and priorities for our life. We're distracted by screens because it is socially acceptable. Watch this. It is a socially acceptable addiction and bondage. If you walked around every day like this, you're not going to have too many friends, I don't think. They're going to say, that's a weird dude. I don't trust that person. It's not socially acceptable to walk around with a big screen like this. But it's socially acceptable for us to have our Android or our iPhone. And because it's a socially accepted addiction and bondage, we're readily distracted by it. Because listen, no one in this world and even many brothers or sisters and believers who are in bondage are going to challenge you as you walk around enslaved to a device through accessibility distraction. Whoever's getting the students, they can begin to get down and bring them in. I want to ask us this question in conclusion. Accessibility to distraction in our default mode is distracting us from the greatest accessibility possible. 
Are screens in your life distracting you from the greatest accessibility possible, which is the very nature and person and presence of God Almighty, your Creator? Listen to me. The devil ain't scared followers of Jesus that had just come listen but will not take advantage that the veil's been torn from top to bottom so that you can have continual, continual access to God Himself listen why is this because you and I can't defeat the devil and his demons and wickedness in our own ability by our own spirit and you and I can't get filled with God if we don't draw near and spend time truly with God himself do you know why we have the book of Acts and we read the book of Acts listen because it said they had been with Jesus Oh, come on in, you mighty champions. I want to talk to y'all for a minute. Y'all come in and be seated. Listen, it wasn't that they had been with the Bible. It ultimately wasn't with that they had been with other brothers and sisters. It wasn't ultimately that they had been to a gathering. Though all those things, listen, are means to accelerate you to get to value the fact that why they changed the world upside down, they had been with Jesus. With Jesus. Kids, listen to me. There's a lot of choices in life. The greatest choice is to believe and accept that God loved you so much that He chose you to be His. And He made a way for you to access Him through Jesus. And that you can have ongoing moments in life of encountering Jesus through His Holy Spirit. And adults, it's the same for us. Too many adults are bored because we're not using the gospel of access to God's presence. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.